First time, long time. 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 Hey, sports fans! First time, long time. I'm Tommy Fitzgerald. He's Richie Barone, and Richie, we got a special treat with our interview series. That's right. The interview series keeps on rolling. Uh, and this week, we've got ourselves a former Mets outfielder, the one, the only, Brian McRae. Uh, this was a fun interview. What I did, I got a new tactic I do here where it's like a sneak attack. I called him. I didn't even say hello. I just I just started asking questions, and that reflects very, uh, very uh, a lot. I don't know what, what other word to say there. But you could tell right off the bat that, you know, I'm not playing games. I called the guy. I said, you know. In my mind, it's time for the hard-hitting questions, and I hit him with them. So enjoy the interview with uh, the boy, Brian McRae. So what are you doing now? Like, how has uh, your career progressed since, since you left the Mets in the uh, late 90s? I'm coaching at the University of Missouri right now. I'm finishing up school. I've been uh, a college coach. This will be my fifth year. I was at Park University outside of Kansas City for four it's at NAIA school, and this is my first year at the University of Missouri. Um, I've been coaching high school-age kids since 2008 and college college guys since the 2012-2013 season. So you're coaching and going to school at the same time yourself? Yes. Yeah, I have about 30 hours left to graduate with my um, bachelor's degree in uh, psychology. I have my associates in social psychology from Park University. Oh wow, that's awesome! Congratulations. Thank you. When you when you were uh, so you know going back to your MLB days, you know when you got uh, traded to the Mets, you were traded from the Chicago Cubs. Uh, were you excited to be traded to the Mets at the time? You know, I mean the Cubs now uh, obviously a powerhouse, but at the time not so much. Were you excited to come to New York, or was it like? Not that great. I knew at that time the Mets were in better situation than where the Cubs were. You know, when I first got traded to the Cubs in '95, in we had a pretty good team in '95. I think we were in it until the last game of the regular season. Uh, had a chance to make it to the postseason there, there in my first year. '96, I think we were right around 500 or, or so for a long part of the season. and we had a competitive team, and in 97, we got off to a bad start, and it was ugly. Um, you know, 95, 96, the Mets were terrible. That's all I remember when I first came over to the, to the National League. And then they got they were getting better in the 97 season. So I went from a bad situation to a better situation with the Mets. But I didn't really know a whole lot about about the Mets other than the fact that they hadn't played well in a long time and, Dallas Green era had ended bad and Bobby had taken over and things were starting to turn around and get a little bit better. But all I knew about New York was the Yankees run the, run the town and the Mets were, you know, second-class citizens as far as what everybody thought about baseball in the city at that time. Well, that's interesting you brought that up because uh, I asked uh, Bobby V about that also. When you're in, in town as a Mets player, 
you know, first of all, how are the Mets fans to you? Uh, and second, how how are Yankee fans? Because for me, as a Mets fan, Yankee fans are nothing but brutally obnoxious and, uh, you know, the bane of my existence. So uh, I always wondered for the players if you could, you know, if you could walk down the street or even when you were in the stadium, if they were, uh, if they were as brutal to you. They were okay. I mean, I have to remember, I came from the American League, and when I got to the when I got called up and was with the Royals in the early 90s, the Yankees weren't that good. So right. we would routinely, with the Royals, we'd go into New York and beat up on the Yankees in, in the early 90s. So the Yankee fans didn't have a whole lot to say early. And I didn't hear a lot when we'd go into New York as a, as a Royals player because they couldn't get on us too much. And they started to turn it around you know, once I got traded to the National League. But I think the Yankees fans were good to me. They respected our ball club in Kansas City, and they didn't really get on me much those years when I would, would go into uh, Yankee Stadium. But it was different when I was going into Yankee Stadium with a with a Met uniform on and, and the Yankees were, you know, the better team and, and going on to do some great things. But I enjoyed playing in the city. I enjoyed the, the vibe. The energy it kept you on guard and you know, made you realize that uh, you know this is what playing in the big leagues is all about. Is playing in a city like New York. Uh, Chicago was nice. Two teams in the city also, but it wasn't at the mag- at the magnitude as the energy level that you felt playing in New York. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, were you there for the uh, the Mike Piazza trade? Yes. And how do you think that uh that changed the team? Like if you could if you could comment on it like from a clubhouse perspective, were people excited? I mean I know obviously like a Todd Humley, he's probably not that excited, but was the rest of the team did that did that feel like uh like you guys had some hope then to really turn the corner? Yeah, it it was something that that I think the team saw an opportunity to go out and get you know, a Hall of Famer and add him to a lineup that was pretty good and make everything make everything better. Uh Hundley was coming off an injury. There wasn't any you know, anything that would think, make you believe that he was close to coming back to being a catcher the way he had been been before. You know, it, it was uh I think it was his, his elbow. So he was maybe a year or two away from being 100% throwing-wise, and you had a chance to go out and get Mike Piazza, so you make that move. and It made the lineup better. It made everybody, you know, settle in a little bit more. I had my best year hitting in a lineup with, with Piazza, you know, in 98, once he came over. And, you know, so I, I enjoyed – having him in the lineup because it made things for me a lot easier. Right, right. Yeah, you, you definitely did have uh, your best year as a Met that year. Um, you know, I mean, how was it playing for Bobby V at the same time? Good players manager? He was different because he, you know, he had a lot of things that he liked to do that other managers didn't. You know, he was very visible in the clubhouse. Most managers just 
stayed in the office, came out every now and then. You know, he liked the spotlight. He almost acted as if sometimes that he was a player. And I think that rubbed some veteran guys the wrong way, some of the things he did. And I found him to be one of the smartest baseball men I'd ever been around. And I learned a lot from him as far as uh, how to manage a team and personalities and things that I use when I coach that I, that I learned. I learned probably more from him than any other coach or manager that I was around in my professional baseball career. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody here in New York knows him for the uh, the mustache and sunglasses gig. So, uh, you know, it's no surprise that, that to hear that Bobby enjoyed the spotlight. Uh, when you got traded over to the Mets, you got moved, actually, with Turk Wendell. Now, what I remember about Turk Wendell growing up is that you'd get a newspaper to your house, and it would say something like, the Mets haven't heard from Turk Wendell in three months. He's off hunting bears, and they don't know if he's still going to be on the team next year. Uh, he was, you know, a wild dude. Do you have any good Turk Wendell stories? Uh, he was, you know, he was an outdoors guy, but that didn't take away from, you know, he had his most success, I think, in his big league career with the Mets. Oh, yeah. He was a, he was a high prospect in the Braves organization and didn't, didn't work out with the Braves organization. Came over to the Cubs. They tried him as a starting pitcher. Didn't work out. Put him in the pen. He kind of bounced around the walls. And he really settled in once he was traded to to New York. And I think some of the things that he did off the field and his personality overshadowed overshadowed the kind of pitcher that he was. He pitched in some some key games in in Met postseason history. You know, lockdown innings. You know, he was a guy that got it late in his career, but was able to do a good job, and they found a role for him that he thrived in in New York. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, the, he threw his glove in the sands. He spiked the rosin bag. I don't know. I loved watching him personally. I always thought he'd probably be a lot of fun to play with. He always had the bare teeth around his neck. Um, who was your favorite player to play with in New York? Who was the guy who was, you know, who was the one that was the funniest, the guy who you just had to be around. There are a lot of guys with good personalities on that team. Carlos Baerga was a guy that uh, I played against in the American League and had a great, great personality. Robin Ventura, who came over in, in 99. Uh, John O'Rood, even though he was quiet and didn't say a whole lot, you know, he was a guy that you, you learned a lot by watching the way he went about his business. Uh, you know, Bernard Gilkey, Al Leiter, John Franco, Todd Pratt. You know, there are a lot of good guys on that team, and we were close and hung out and did a lot of things together off the field, and we pulled for each other, and, you know, it, it showed in the in the way that team battled and the way they played. Did anyone ever wonder how Carlos Baerga wore his jacket in the middle of July? I used to get high watching that guy on TV. He'd have the full <laughs> mesh jacket on in the dugout in the middle of July. That was, uh, yeah, he that was, was he was different. He was <laughs> he put cologne on, have make sure his hair was good before the game, and all. You know, he was a different kind of guy. But, pardon me. He had cologne on during the game. Yeah, he spray spray cologne on before the game. <laughs> he wanted to look that's good, smell good, and all that. That's unbelievable. And how did they? Did, was there a process to to 
uh, make sure that Bernard Gilkey was in Men in Black? Because I know he had his big cameo appearance. That was after, I mean, that was before I think I got there. Um, oh, that was before. All right. So I, say, why, I think why that was in 96, and I was still with the Cubs in 96. All right. So I was going to say, you know, you could have you had your moment in Men in Black just as well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, I wasn't there. <laughs> well, Brian, you know, I won't, I won't take up much more of your time. I'll just ask you one more question. Thanks a lot for doing this. Um, you know, it pertains to, to what's going on right now. Simply put, are the Cubs going to break the curse? Well, I think the Cubs broke the curse is what, you know, everybody talks about the 71-year curse of not going to a World Series. That's right. the, the big curse. I think they they broke that curse, and now the pressure's off. I think winning the World Series is going to be secondary as far as in people's minds because I, I'm talking to a lot of Cubs fans daily, friends of mine, and I'm actually going to go to the game tomorrow. They felt like once the 71-year curse was lifted, then everything else was going to fall into place. So I think they feel real confident that it's good now because they broke the curse. Because you never heard about the 108 years since they won a World Series. You mostly heard they haven't been to a World Series since 1945. Right, right. That's true. So do you think they're going to win it this year? Pardon me? Do you think they're going to win it? I think they're going to win it. Yeah, they got three at home. I think it goes back to Cleveland, but I think they have a, a distinct pitching advantage tonight. And Cleveland on short rest tomorrow, I think they have a chance to do some more damage against him than they did in Cleveland. So, yeah, I think it's in the Cubs' favor right now with three games at Wrigley. I'm with you. I hope they win too. Uh you know, go Cubs, go. Even as a Mets fan, I'll uh, I'll jump on board there. And uh, Brian, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, you take care. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks. You too, Ben. Yeah. Hey, fellas. This is Chris from New Hyde Park. First time, long time. Hi. This is Bob from Greenpoint. First time, long time here. Hey guys, this is Audie Bevilacqua from Hapog. First time, long time. 